Good. Actually, it's morning where I am, so it feels weird saying good evening. Uh, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host for this week, uh, Len Hafer, and I am joined by our good friend, John Bolding. Howdy, everybody. And we have we have a hell of a game to talk about today. <laughs> We're talking about uh, Terra Invicta uh, from Pavonis Interactive. This is a lot of the same people who worked on the Long War mods for XCOM and XCOM 2. Um, it's like, where do you even start with this one? Uh, John, what is what is Terra Invicta to you? Terra Invicta is a. Uh, <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> yeah. Terra Invicta is a combination of two things that you don't expect to go together at all. Uh, it is a grand strategy game on earth about a world where secret uh and also not so secret conspiracies and alliances seek to control the human reaction to the arrival of an alien species in our solar system and at the same time it is a game of quite hardcore hard science fiction industrialization and militarization of the solar system in order to meet the same goals right in order to react to the alien presence but uh to a degree that does not exist i've only ever seen before in in tabletop games frankly and very much like on in a military like um with a heavy military focus, like I would say that like the the industrialization layer has much more in common with Hearts of Iron than it does with Victoria. Like you're not really going out and mining platinum to make life better for people on Earth. You're you're doing it exclusively to win this war against the aliens. Yeah, you everything um, you're doing in space is about embiggening your space presence. Though there are quite a few space modules that do things like produce valuable goods and uh make money right right um but all of that is ultimately in support of uh your operations on earth or in space which are generally focused on calculating delta v when i when i first loaded up this game and i just was like poking around in the interface and like zoomed out to the full galaxy map and (laughs) see that like if you play it on the the maximum galaxy setting, you can kind of adjust yeah, the biggest, how many, the biggest how many, size of solar system. Yeah. How many stellar bodies you want. Um, and you have like just like dozens of like ice dwarfs and asteroids like out in the Kuiper belt beyond the orbit of Pluto that have like multiple discrete mining nodes on them. Yeah. The, and, the like, full size <laughs> simulation that it can do is 350 stellar objects in our solar system. And then uh, like there's all with their accurate orbits modeled, except for a, right. a handful. They, I think they've changed uh, to make them functional and they didn't include any comets, which I think is on their to-do list. Right. Yeah, that's on the roadmap, I believe. Um, And then it has 
basically every nation on Earth also with a little bit of fudging. Like they've combined, I think, the Balkans and then like. Yeah, there's North there's, Balkans as a set yeah, of states, right? Um, there's an Austro-Swiss Union for some reason. Um, yeah, the uh, <laughs> there's a few game balance concessions, right, based uh-huh. on how their mechanics work. Like it was too easy to get control in certain areas of Europe when Switzerland and Austria were two different countries. Mm, oh, uh, that's because why they have some that. sort of baseline adjacency bonuses. Okay. Based on like if you control one country, it becomes easier to do things in nearby countries, and so the the and ability then, to like, take those little tiny European states and then use them for your own ends was uh, too powerful. And like there's a screen that tracks like atmospheric CO2 and atmospheric methane uh-huh, uh-huh. and also like aerosol aerosols from like a potential nuclear war. And that affects yep. the temperature, yep. which can devastate different regions of the world at different rates and, and at I different just, times in different ways. The effect of just, overall climate change on global GDP is tracked. So I'm like, I'm 20 minutes into this. I haven't even hit on pause yet. I haven't even looked at like the council screen yet. And I'm just like, you're fucking joking. Like you're 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 pulling my leg right now. Like there's no way this is a, f- a functional video game. I was talking to uh, one of my Twitter mutuals said they felt the same way the first time they loaded up EU4. Like, this is crazy, but there's no way this is a functional video game. Yeah, this can't be this can't be real. Like, you can't like if I start to play this when I unpause, it's just going to chug to a halt and or collapse yeah. under the weight of its own hubris. Exactly. And, you know, I think there are some areas where it definitely <laughs> yeah. sags under the weight of its own hubris. Yeah. Um. But it is like a functional, playable video game, which I found kind of amazing. Um, yeah, you can so, play this game. Yeah, um, it's 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 2022 is like the, the scenario they shipped with. I think they're also going to do um, like a Cold War one and then like a near future one. Eventually, yeah, they, they want to do a uh, a Cold War scenario which I believe is supposed to start either in the late seventies or early eighties. And therefore will Mm -hmm. really mess with geopolitics. But they said that their opinion was that you absolutely have to have naval warfare be more meaningful. If the cold war is going to happen at all in an interesting way. So they were waiting until they can revamp those mechanics and meaningfully add them to the game. Um, And their other intention, I think they want to do a, scenario that's near future like 2070 or something based on our Mm -hmm. current timeline of like rate of space development where basically humanity has some slight presence in space right and then they want to do one called i think their their desire or intent post-release now this is an early access now and will release sometime in the near I don't know, next year or two. I, I, I'm not sure what their timeline or goals are. And frankly, their, their goals are so outrageous that I don't believe them. Whatever <laughs> they said, I don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> they also want to do a, a scenario. I can't remember if this one's called foothold or not, but a scenario where yeah, the solar system is, is highly developed and there are polities that exist in space separate from earth. Like there is a Mars nation or what have you. Yeah, which I'm super curious about because it seems like 
that would make it too easy unless you like really cranked up the aliens like another few notches. Yeah, but, presumably uh, the aliens would show up in greater force in that kind of a scenario. Yeah. Right. Um, but you pointed out something that's very interesting about this game and is is sort of one of my favorite like pet strategy mechanics, which is that you play as like a transnational ideology or i guess you could you could see it as like a transnational illuminati type organization rather than a country it it depends i think on which faction you are so there are seven factions um each of which has their own asymmetrical campaign goals uh and is defined sort of inherently by how they react initially to the alien presence so there's uh there's the resistance, right? Which is your sort of generic, like this is XCOM group. Mm-hmm. There is, they're, they they want to fight the aliens, right? They want to preserve humanity's way of life. Uh, there's humanity first, whose reaction is to <laughs> X- extermin- XCOM racist version. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, you know what? If there's aliens, it's, it's on. This is now survival of the fittest. May the apex galactic apex predator win. Let's roll. And also um, anybody who sympathizes with the aliens right. has to die too. Thankfully, it's it's like a I actually think it's more of like a speciesist thing, right? It's just like if if mm. you collaborate with the aliens, you should die. Right. Um and even the like the beginning of the differences between those two factions, you can see the way the game starts to split up, where like if you're playing humanity first, suddenly suicide bombing is on the table, right? For your faction. Mm. <laughs> to yeah. get its goals done right like you're terrorists uh i mean and the uh and even like beyond the- that like the, so then i guess on the spectrum of of weirdos there's then the the academy who want to prove to the aliens that humanity is on equal footing and must be respected uh and must have diplomacy and they want to have you know technological exchange and, and work with them there's the Two oddball factions who sort of spin off and do their own thing. There's the Project Exodus who want to get the fuck out, right? They're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, these these aliens are going to come and, and mess with us. What we need to do is spread the species to another habitable planet as quickly as possible. So their plan is to build, you know, generation ships and run. There's the Initiative, who I loved your description of these, Lynn, which is just the, they're the chaos is a ladder little exactly. finger from game of they're, thrones faction they're, they're like, just aliens like, great we don't care we just want more power yeah, yeah they're like well so. this is a great opportunity for us to all get filthy fucking rich and pull the levers of power in our direction um, yeah and they're then, also like apparently the rupert murdoch faction because they can like spread disinformation that like the invasion isn't real and stuff yeah, like every, that everyone so. else's uh little like slice of the opinion pie is like defined by what they want to do which is like resist the mm-hmm. aliens kill the aliens cooperate with the aliens and their slice of the opinion pie is labeled various exploitable beliefs yes <laughs> which i think is so great mm-hmm. uh I, what i mean who's who is it beyond that right there's and then uh, there's there's the two pro alien factions that kind of mirror right. They kind of mirror the resistance and humanity first because you have the protectorate who is like, you know, will be your vassal, basically. Right. Is, yeah, as is, long as you let us retain complete independence, we will give you whatever it is that you need from our world. Yeah, which is I think it was a Stephen Hawking quote where he said something like, if we ever encounter aliens that are advanced enough to get to us, 
the best thing we could possibly do is just agree to play by their rules. Right. So that's kind of uh, their their thoughts. And then there's just the- as hu- humanity first is an extremification of the resistance. There's the servants, which are kind of an extremification of the protectorate where they want to worship the aliens as gods. And they yeah, they're, also they're run by like a new stuff. age religious leader who's like, oh, it's on. Like now is the time for us to. Um, yeah, I, th- I think she's from Missouri. Yeah, something. she's super weird. They've got <laughs> great bios. She's like, uh, yeah, she's like a new age web entrepreneur who writes for a bunch of websites. And like, that's what she yeah. does. Right. She's like an, uh, an astrologist. Um, yeah. Oh, man. It's good. Um, it's great. And I, the thing I like about these and we'll go ahead and I think. Let everybody know yeah. we're not going to spoil anything They're they're This is the kind of game where there actually are spoilers. So right at some point in this, we will spoiler gate and we'll say like after this, you know, all bets are off. But I think one of the most interesting thing about these factions is they're defined by their initial reaction. And then over the course of your campaign playing this game, they have to figure out what their actual goals are. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that greatly changes yeah. who some of these people are and how difficult their campaign is. Right. Yeah. Like and obviously uh, playing like, as the servants can be easier. Uh, I would imagine. So I haven't played as them, but you know, it seems like you ju- you would just have to defeat the other earth factions and then you're you're kind of good to go. But um yeah. I don't know I mean, it's, what they- it's they are definitely <laughs> the easier campaign. They're marked as such whereas the academy uh, is marked as like the hardest campaign and is very difficult cuz you get a sort of crippling event very very early on. I mean think think mm-hmm. within the first 12 months of the campaign where right. uh, it's I believe it's called like they did not come in peace or what have you. And sort of when, when the first moment of alien violence happens. Uh, right. You, you, you know, you shake your hand out to, to stick your hand out to shake it. And then they bite it off and yeah, it's on live TV and not literally, but you know, that's, <laughs> but that is basically accurate to, yeah. to how this goes for everybody. Right. Um, um I mean, I can, you know, it wouldn't be a very interesting game if the aliens just showed up and there was like a diplomacy mini game where you could just make friends. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, they're they're coming in in a violent capacity. Uh, I don't think that's going to really shock anybody to learn. But um, yeah, um, have you played all of the factions yet? I know you've played a fair bit more than I have. I've. I have not played all of the factions. I haven't started a campaign as all okay. of them at least, but I have, I've sort of uh, fiddled around with, I think most of them made what I would consider the major ones, at least long enough to see like a couple little twists to what their campaign looks like. Yeah. I've mostly played as the resistance cause they're like the recommended starter faction and they have like a, a whole tutorial attached to them. But I also did, uh, I did try to start a game as the Academy just to see, because I was like, OK, well, these guys theory got disproved pretty early. So <laughs> I want to see what exactly that looks like. Yeah, I am curious to know if like with the Protectorate and the Academy, if eventually you can sort of achieve some version of their original aims and come to some sort of an accord, um, even, you know, by fighting aliens to a stalemate that would be kind of an interesting um 
Yeah, I imagine everyone gets to fulfill their goals if they succeed at their campaign. Based on uh, what I've played of of all the factions, but I think okay. it becomes. I expect there to always be a twist. I think every faction is going to end up with some kind of funky twist on how to succeed at, at their biggest goals. Simply, simply due to how complex the game is as a whole, and and the w- what you learn about the alien species as time goes on. Uh, right. But let's can we can we talk for a second just about the overall like the structure of the game it's right, a it's yeah. real time pause sort of like a paradox grand strategy game you would expect to be but it's divided into bi-monthly phases where you take your council of people you've recruited i think we'll come back to that in a moment and you send them around to the nations of the world or out into space which is a whole nother mess later and have them do missions like do a public campaign to promote your cause or attempt to seize control of a government lever in a nation. Right. Right. Like there's these, these control points that represent different things. Like it might be the media. It might be the legislature. The last one you take is always like the executive power. Right. And every nation has a different uh, set of them. So like Russia has mass media, but instead of having a proper legislature, it has like oligarchs, right? That you need to convince. Yeah. And like, you know, Namibia might only have one, but I think like the bigger countries have like six or seven. Yeah. For the US the or most, China. I think the most is six that a country can have. And okay. it's based on GDP and population. Right. So like so, I was once in control of a I think it was Uruguay and I had sort of neglected it and um pillaged it for resources rather than try to build it up as a nation. <laughs> and it actually shrank from two control points to one. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that could happen. Um, I think the size of GDP, oh. it was like the GDP of Uruguay has has gone in low enough that uh, it is now a single control point nation. And I was like, whoops, I'm a bad person. <laughs> right. So you have like it re- really for like the first at least a year. It depends on how quick you are getting into space. Um, it's it's really a spy game. Like it's it's like a Twilight struggle sort of. Yeah. You're sending agents around and like figure out the the composition of your secret agenda council, right? And you recruit these counselors who all have um, personalities and traits and stats. I just realized how much how absurd this game gets the longer you describe it. It it really like there's so much. There is so like there's there's like three video games in here. Like they've they've just crammed all the mechanics in and they've they had to jump on it to like kind of tamp them down <laughs> so they could get the lid shut. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you're you're trying to capture nations and you can have like split control points where like some nations are partly owned by this faction and partly owned by that faction. Yep. And like the more control points you have, the more of their economic priorities you can set. Right. You can set what the country (laughs) is spending its GDP on. Which is anything from, you know, developing a space program to like social welfare. Right. There's like there's stats for political freedom. There's stats for like cultural cohesion and wealth inequality in addition to GDP. Yeah. That can all go up or down depending on how you set the economic policy. There's the governmental, the um, level of democracy in the government, the <laughs> level of military technological advancement. 
yeah. how many armies and navies they have to move around the map. <laughs> Which is what when you get to that, like, executive control level, that's when you get to, like, declare war and use the army and right. possibly use the nukes. Well, and if different they have them. tiers of the government have <laughs> or different control points can have control of different chunks of the military. Right. So, like, the number of armies is spread around. So like the executive controls an army, the legislature controls an army. So like you may only be able to partially mobilize a nation's military for your purposes, depending on how much of it you own. I haven't gone after, I haven't even tried to go after like the U S or China yet. So I don't think I've ever controlled a country that has more than one army. I've been kind of going for, for what they call the EU strategy on the uh, the forums, yeah, which it's is the sort of was the dominant strategy in the uh, in the closed beta, which they've nerfed right. shit out of. Yeah, because I mean they do have they they have a good they can get you into space quickly. That's really I think uh, the big advantage of that. That uh, if you want to just get to space as fast as possible, taking over the European Space Agency. Agency is a really good way to do that because they have good research and they have a pretty good GDP across the board. And you can kind of take them apart piecemeal because there's all you you can't just like go into the U.S. and be like, yeah, I, I control Congress now because the bigger a nation is, the higher like the die roll you need to take over their control points. Yeah. And so if you it's have to like high, if the difference is high enough between your your counselor's stat and the goal, you have. No chance at all. It'll, right. it'll never go above zero percent or above, you know, like a two percent chance of success, which is don't do that. That's not worth it. So you can. Yeah, you can boost it by like owning neighboring countries yep. like you could go for Canada and Mexico. And you can boost it and, by getting popular support in the country. Right. right? By convincing right. a percentage of the nation's populace that they should support you. Because remember, that's the people is a different chart chunk than the government in terms of interface and mechanics. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so if mo- most of the people believe in the the spirit of the resistance, like it's going to be easier for the resistance to take over, but uh all the other seven factions are also doing all of this at the same time and Often they can steal your, your control yep. points. Yeah. There's a mission where you can like put armor on a control point that you have to balance against getting more control points. It's it's uh a There's lot. a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Though I will say, uh, pro tip, if you wanted to get into space as fast as possible, uh, take over Kazakhstan and have them withdraw from their alliance with Russia and stop sharing oh. Baikonur. Because you'll just, you'll cripple Russia's space program and co-opt See, it for I yourself. Know, I, I, I saw they had that base, but when I tried to go there, like, they're giving most of their... Yeah, so if you're in a federation with other countries... To Russia, yeah. yeah. Uh, federations alliances of multiple countries share their their boost resource right between them all but it depends heavily on where the facility that the boost is coming from has actually been built so if you're kazakhstan you just sort of steal which it all by the way you get a bonus for building them closer to the equator this is like the absolutely kind of stuff singapore is an model. excellent place to build space facilities <laughs> Because in real life, yeah, you do need less uh, less uh, delta V to get into a uh, orbit if you're near the equator. So, um, yeah, so that's like a whole video game that could be its own thing. Yep, that could be its own entire video game. 
But then you get into space. <laughs> but then you can also go to space. Yes. Um, Which is another yeah. another whole video game, right? Like another entire early right. access video game that they've set on top of this one and then sort of welded them together. Right. And, you know, in your review, and I guess we can get into some of the more specifics of this, you mentioned that one of the ways that currently this this game sort of wobbles off its axis is where those two discrete video games like come together certainly yeah at the uh at the at the um the weld point i suppose um but it's really interesting because like the whole conceit of this they sort of treat it like earth has an unlimited supply of the resources you need but it costs a lot to launch things into space from Earth. Right. It's a remarkable amount of resources and energy and time (laughs) and scientific effort just to get, you know, 20 guys and enough food to feed them into space, let alone all the equipment they need to survive and stay there for a long period of time, which is true, right? It's extremely realistic. So that's your incentive to start mining and fabricating in space and using like magnetic accelerators to get, you know, platinum from the asteroid belt to your shipyard in the orbit of Mars or whatever, because which is all is one of the few things that's fully abstracted within the space layer is once you build a mine, those resources just sort of like float in the void to be used right Right, anywhere in the solar system. They just sort of exist. They don't make you blast a packet of water and mined volatile materials on a a catapult. And they're like, all right, it'll be here in 735 days. But they do make you send a probe that takes 735 days to arrive or the first colony vessel to arrive there. Right. Yeah. And they have. Obviously, it should come as no surprise to you that they have like orbital transfer windows Uh and like all this, you know, it's not like quite like Kerbal Space Program level of complexity, but it's. Yeah, because if it was Kerbal Space Program, they wouldn't give you a transfer window planner. They'd just make you suffer (laughs) or download a mod. Right, right. Yeah. Um, But it's pretty complex and. uh, It's very complex. And I think it's it will be a continual source of confusion for people who are not familiar with the basics of space travel. Yeah. um, The other interesting thing is once you get beyond earth, like nations don't own things anymore. Right. Space assets are owned distinctly by one of the seven factions. Right. So like the, um, the Academy starts in control of the international space station while uh, I think the initiative or Exodus starts in control of um, Tiangong. Right. Which there's nothing on it to start with. So you have to like add module. The ISS is like actually a pretty good thing to have at the start because it's the only functional space station in 2022 that actually has working modules on it. Right. Even though they're um, just like 3% bonus to life science research. <laughs> Right. You know, it's it's something. Um, And then there's, you know, there's missions that you can do in space 
to like mess with other people's stuff. But another another thing you pointed out that I didn't even realize is that like you cannot attack another faction's space stations militarily yeah. like with you, I mean, without pissing you off can. everybody on Earth. Yeah. Like, so there's a system in the game. A war crime. There's a system in the game for modeling war crimes, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that's called atrocities, and it's smart. It's smart design where it's like you yeah. can launch a nuclear strike. You can have your army attack civilians and infrastructure, um, but doing so is is what's called an atrocity. It's basically a permanent black mark against your faction, right? Um, and but for whatever reason, blowing up a space station with twelve people on it who are fanatics that want to sell out humanity to the aliens is on the same scale as carpeting Manchuria with nuclear weapons. <laughs> In it, like even if it's like a military shipyard, it's apparently, so funny. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It is kind of weird. If it's, like, a, if I, it's I, a human asset, destroying it, it should it at least it sh- it should at least like distinguish between this is a science habitation, and you know this is you know uh, this is building warships yeah, <laughs> that are going to come do atrocities to us if <laughs> if we don't get rid right. of it. So. There are some weird little weird things like that uh still. Um Yeah, so you're you're going out, you're building mines, you're building these habitats, you're adding modules to the habitats, you're launching that, probes to prospect asteroids. Yeah, and- you can start putting like turrets on your space stations cuz if they're undefended the aliens will just like come blow them up and then sometimes you know, depends on how much the aliens you. hate you. The aliens don't think you're a threat, which is another thing that's tracked in a separate interface on a separate panel. The uh, aliens will just ignore your shit. See, I didn't realize that because I think I just was very excited to shoot down an alien. Yep. <laughs> because that's like that's the moment you're waiting for, right? Is like everybody in mission control clapping and it's like they can bleed so they can die. Like that was yeah, I was absolutely. really excited to get to that point. Um but then, you know, they they send you bigger and scarier ships at you. Yeah, the aliens, that, so. uh, one of the best things about this game, and it it's super cool, is that the aliens generally play by the same rules that you do, right? They are forced to go from asteroid to asteroid and get a resource income that they can spend to expand their own program. And when the aliens get to the earth layer they have to play by the same rules they have agents who have to do missions to accomplish things um and that's separate from like the the um the pro alien human factions right is the actual the alien nation i guess correct is what they if they actually gain territory yeah is those, those kinds of things can happen um and mm. that is in and of itself just a whole a whole mess right like yeah but I mean, that's the broad overview of the game, uh, except for space combat. So once you build a fleet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's a third. Here's a third early access video game that is in this game. That grow, uh, has grown sort of like a tumor out of the space game. Which is, yeah, the, the real time possible space battles with like momentum and. Um, yep. Newtonian it's, it's physics like, <laughs> maneuver node based space battles. Right. And like I'm reading these like tips that that they have like in the the review guide and it's like uh 
you know, you really only need to put armor on your nose because as long as you keep the nose pointed toward the enemy, they can't hit you with their weapons. So it's like these two needles orbiting each other, firing lasers, trying to keep their fronts pointed at each other. And yeah, you definitely get you, that sort of hard sci-fi like spiral of ships swirling around each other in circles. Yeah. Trying to blow each other up. Yeah. Trying to get the advantage or you get can, off, you off can, axis on another ship. You can set like maneuver nodes and stuff manually, but that for me was just it's that hard drive article of like gamer decides they're not going to learn or interact with the system. No, I just let it, the AI, I let the AI fly my warships. And you're, like, you're not wrong too, because compared to some <laughs> other games that have come out recently that have 3d space combat, like um, nebulous fleet command. Um, it is a nightmare interface. Uh, it's not good and it's very hard to use. <laughs> it's extremely finicky slides around a lot. It's difficult to control the Z axis versus the X axis versus the Y axis. Um, it, it's not, it's not good. It's not, it's not. Well, and it, yeah, you, you can pause and like dial stuff in and take as all the time you want, but oh, then sure, like, but that doesn't combat conditions change so quickly change that you'd be doing rapidly. that. And the alien you'd be like, doing that for an hour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the enemy ships, uh, are constantly and consistently very good at redirecting their course and figuring out their new maneuvers. So like you'll change your course, right. And start to mm -hmm. maneuver and then they'll immediately switch what they're doing. And so then you pause again and you're like, okay, I guess I got to figure out a new plan to respond to the new thing they're doing. And so you'll go like 10 <laughs> seconds at a time. It's, it's night. I, I, uh, yeah, I am not a big fan of that system the way it works right now <laughs> i agree with your strategy which is build something that the ai is going to be really good at piloting and then let the ai pilot it right uh, or my strategy which was build massive slow chunks of metal covered in missiles and if we meet them while we have missiles we win and if we meet them when we're out of missiles we lose and that's how this game's played for me yeah, mi missiles seems to be. I mean, we talked about this a little bit on Discord, but like the fact that we have fleet battles at all is kind of where Terra Invicta's commitment to hard sci-fi ends. Because you know, if there was an alien force on Ceres with like a manufacturing hub, and you know you're on Earth and they don't want to destroy everything on Earth because they want its resources, like. The logical thing to do there is just to build a giant fucking mass driver and just pancake it from super far away because there's no way they could intercept a projectile that's moving that fast. Yep. Um, you're not. But that wouldn't. You're not wrong. Be as, that wouldn't be as exciting wouldn't as having <laughs> fleet battles, I guess. <laughs> do we really need series intact? I don't think so. They do, but we don't. <laughs> True, true. Um, I did reach the, in my resistance campaign, uh, before I lost after 50 hours, which, if that sentence doesn't tell you everything you need to know about whether or not you want to play this game, I think that's, it. Yeah. I don't know how to help you play video games. The, in my resistance campaign, I did eventually arrive at the strategy of, um, we're taking the nukes to space and we're going to use all of them, which is what I did. 
Uh, I put nuclear torpedoes okay. on every yeah. single vessel I have, and it kind of didn't matter how many point defense lasers the aliens had. Because fuck you. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing you can set as a budget priority on Earth is like Nukes. the nuclear arsenal. So which the AI okay. is pretty trigger happy with right now and will start nuclear wars. And the, yeah, I've the best. I watched, <laughs> I, I, I watched a couple of playthroughs just to figure out what I was doing wrong. I just tried to watch a couple of people that were like closed beta people play right. it. And it's like the first thing you do is you take over the U.S. or China and the second thing you do is lock down all of the nukes in the world <laughs> because otherwise the AI will start a nuclear war like 100 percent of the time. The AI is very, very much likes to drop nukes. Um, and the funniest part about it is the interface is set up in such a way that there's no notification. There's no notification if someone's doing a nuclear war other than like <laughs> you're on Earth while it happens and you hear is like that, is a, deafening, a deafening <laughs> boom. And then you frantically grab the globe and pan it around, trying to see the mushroom clouds before they fade, so you can know who got nuked and where. It's yeah, so fucking all, funny to me. There's there's all these notifications, but no, like yeah, nuclear, nuclear war was, was not on yeah. the was not on the agenda. I was the game I played as the servants. I was just doing my own thing in Asia. Um, never heard any of the bombs go off. I guess, and then I just get the nuclear winter pop up it's like nuclear winter has begun on earth and i was like wait wait we were throwing nukes why didn't anyone tell me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like it'll like it actually decimates the population and it decimates the economic potential of earth um right which is especially if it happens early game is pretty bad if you're self-sufficient in space you can probably even then kind of deal with can, it, but my resistance campaign, that's how I lost. Yeah. I controlled most of our immediate space around earth. Uh, I controlled Mars very effectively. Um, and I was batting them away from the asteroid belt, but I lost earth and then it's over, right? The game is over at that point. Um, and th- cause that is the game scenario. It is mm-hmm. that there are 8.7 billion of us. and a few hundred of them at the very beginning. Yeah. It feels that way. At least. I don't actually know their population. I, I sort of pulled that figure out. I don't know ass. if they ever give like alien population, but it is definitely like they are way overextended. And that is why you have a hope and a prayer right. of winning. And that is the um, core. The core conceit of it is like the aliens are scrabbling around in the asteroid belt looking for water, right? And volatiles and radioactives that they can use to build their technology here locally. And you're on Earth with 8.7 billion people yeah. who can exploit Earth's resources very effectively. Uh, it's 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 a it's an advanced like global civilization versus like the Lewis and Clark expedition. <laughs> like they're they're yeah actually yeah the There's Lewis and Clark expedition in, had a bunch of guns and could kill yeah. a lot of the people they met yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. No questions asked. But if a hundred people decided to kill them, they were fucked. Right. It is it's sort of um, exactly that. The other thing we missed with with military when you were talking about building these like giant armored, you know, battle cruisers or whatever is that like there there's also this military meta of like 
designing warships that have really high Delta V so that they can get further, which obviously the more armored they are, the more propulsion right. they need Absolutely. to do that. Yeah, there's a whole ship designer. But, but then but then that's a trade-off with combat maneuverability because you know, a nuclear engine can't really change what direction you're going. Yeah, you know, so if you've, in, you know, in if you've got like an ion drive, yeah. it's incredibly high speed uh, thrust velocity and relatively low, relatively low thrust overall. So it can move your giant ship, but very, very slowly and effectively not at all in combat, right? But it can send it all the way to Mars and back. Whereas if you've got the sort of like, let's blow up nukes behind our ship to fly through space project Orion or like Nerva type drives. You've got a lot of thrust and you can change direction a lot in combat, but you're not going very far overall because the fuel you're carrying is so heavy and you have to burn so much of it. And eventually, you know, you have to set up refueling stations because it'll give you this little like yellow number of like, yeah, you can get there, but you're not going to be able to get back. And if you don't have infrastructure there, then. Yeah. And you have to make decisions, (laughs) decisions like, do I want to research like ISRU in situ refueling equipment Uh and be able to refuel my uh, my reactors for my ships in space where they go, which is going to take up space on the ship that could be dedicated to, you know, combat capability or what have you. And also that suddenly means it matters what fuel your ship uses because if there's no you know if you're using hydrogen fuel you need water where you're going to be able to fuel your ship when you get there or what have you so yeah the doctrine i was kind of pursuing um and i'm curious if what you tried and if that if the it was similar or not was basically to have these smaller sortie bases on like near earth objects with just sh- like really fast ships that couldn't go very far and were purely there for like a defensive role. Yeah, as like patrol boats. You did the opposite yeah. of what I did. Okay. I had uh my space strategy was based around single incredibly fortified strong points with very very slow, like very slow ships that had massive range and required um, so they could very quickly, well, not slow in terms of moving through the solar system itself. They were really good at that, but slow in combat, having lots of smaller ships that were slow in combat, but good at long distance travel that were then loaded up with missiles. So they had to reload too frequently to make, uh, take huge advantage of that, but they were able to, always be ready to fight and the aliens couldn't touch sort of what I controlled in space because if they went close there were again a very large number of nuclear torpedoes. Gotcha. Just a sort okay. just a I mean just a fucking unreasonable number. <laughs> we're talking about like China's nuclear given, arsenal on any given single ship. Given the uh, scenario, I think it might have been a reasonable number. Well, the nice of, thing about uh, using nukes in space, right, is that no one gets irradiated any more than they're already yeah, being right. irradiated. Exactly. There's a giant nuclear reactor right over there. Yeah. So uh, just, you know, spewing radiation everywhere. So it's just a can't, can't, can't get worse. Yeah. Massive incandescent gas. A, a yeah. giant nuclear furnace. <laughs> um. Well. 
we did say we were going to talk a little bit about spoilers. I do. Which yeah. I, I should say, like, so it is very cool to discover little by little, like what these aliens are and kind of like what their aims are. Totally. On your on your first playthrough. I think so. so too. If you're that if you're that kind of person. Maybe skip to like skip to the end. I'll put a time code in the, the show notes or something at the same time. But, I got to jump in and say that one of my primary critiques is how poorly this game describes what the fuck the aliens are and what they're doing. Like there is a, ha- a bare handful of text about what they are. Um, right. It's, it's, it's a real mess, especially around like, who are the aliens? Is there more than one kind <laughs> of alien? I can't tell. What do you mean? I mean, they're right. Yeah. So, so like it won't, it won't ruin the fun of the game necessarily to right. know this because but there's some of the, even if you know all of that flavor text, then there's still a lot to do to defeat the alien invasion. Yeah. But and so, but um, I think the journey for some people on this game is definitely going to be uh, discovering how each faction reacts to the situation and what they do. And right after, you know, the first game, the things the aliens do probably won't be very surprising. But so, yeah, spoiler warning. I mean, I think there are different kinds of aliens, right? Like there's some sort of, cause they're like sending right. like, so that terraforming goo or something <laughs> out <laughs> to like the big, the big twist, I guess, in Terra Invicta is that similar to XCOM, I guess, to a certain extent, um, uh-huh. the aliens are, did you discover the name of the aliens? I, I realize now I don't know what you learned i haven't i'm in like the early 2030s so i didn't i didn't find their name yet no. so have you have you but abducted an alien or have you killed an alien on earth i have i have not i have not done like an autopsy or oh anything wow like okay yeah. you're actually really so. late to have not done that okay yeah i've been focusing a lot on the industrialization stuff so that's really um, interesting um but it's a, it is a great example are, of the way in which this can go differently have you seen they an are alien? Like, yeah, we've seen okay. them. Like, you know, and, and like the alien megafauna. Like there's there by the way, there's kaiju monster Pacific. Yeah, they're, not, shit. they're not full kaiju, <laughs> but it is like yeah. elephant they have like elephant sized critters that they like release into the wild and let breed. Yeah. So they're they are trying to sort of make Earth more suitable for them. Yeah, they xenoform, um, and it's clear that like part of the reason they do that is to disrupt Earth's ecology, uh, mm. and your economy generally, right? Like stop, make humanity be busy fighting monsters so that it doesn't have time to fight us. Um, man, I feel I feel weird about spoiling it for you, but here we are, so we're doing it. Um, <laughs> so the alien are called the aliens are called the Hydra. Okay. Um, or at least that's what we start calling them, and that becomes their name, I guess. Um, uh-huh. And their their trick is that they biologically have a little chemical factory in their brain, right? Um, and part of their technology is using and manipulating that so that they they communicate with each other with something that's called like a I think in the game they call them phytocytes, but right, they're basically like bacteria. So they communicate with each other using like some noise, some motion, but almost entirely what's effectively for us scent. Um, but what they generate to create that scent are bacteria that can live in a human brain and mind control you. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. See, I didn't. 
I didn't know there was mind control going on. There is, in fact, uh, mind so. control going on. And that's a major thing. It's like <laughs> early on, there's that discovery of like people leave and then they come back and they're very pro-alien all of a sudden, even if they were anti-alien before. Right, right. right. Like people, yeah. This kid goes missing in the woods. And so there's this thing where the aliens are doing stuff like figuring out how Earth biology works early on so that they can customize their internal little chemical factory to mind control us. Um, Got it. Okay. And so from there, they start trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to conquer earth. And it's a big part of all the campaigns, I think to identify alien agents, which isn't something you, you can't do that at all, which the game doesn't signpost very well until you get the technologies to identify what an alien agent is. Like, what are the signs so of them being around? As the uh, like as the servants, can you just be like mind control me, alien daddy? Like, does so that... that's that's part of it, right? <laughs> um, playing as the servants is really interesting because they have uh-huh. they actually genuinely have a fascinating little sci-fi story that you're playing when you play it, which is that once it once that becomes true, a lot of the servants' characters start to get pretty fucking nervous. They're like, wait, if they're just mind controlling us, we're screwed. Um. Hmm. Interesting. Like this isn't an equal footing relationship and uh creepy servant lady who's in charge is like, yeah, this is weird. I don't know like why they would be doing this since they're, you know, obviously the divine will of the cosmos sent them to us because they're superior ascended beings, but why would they be treating us this way? Uh, and a major <laughs> factor of that campaign is her being like, all right, I'm going to, you know, Instead of trying to find, capture, and then later, or find and kill and later capture one of them, your goal is to find out, find one of them and send someone to meet it, right? And Mm, make contact with the aliens because you're trying to work with them. Um, And so their story is essentially that, like, she goes there to talk to an alien. And this can happen really early in the campaign. Um, And the mind control works on her, but also doesn't. Uh, hmm. because psychologically she already wants to work with the aliens. So like she retains her full individuality beneath the veneer of the mind control. And the reason other people turn into slavering idiots is because they themselves are, um, they're fighting it internally. Right. And she's just submitting to it. And so she's able to maintain that. And, from there, you sort of have to figure out how to communicate with the aliens who don't, they're not interested in communicating with humanity at all because their MO is just to show up and then mind control everybody and then move on with their lives. Um, so those last, those last two agent slots, which this is a kind of a really interesting mechanic, is that you could have up to eight counselors, but two of the last two slots, they have to be people that you have stolen from other factions, right. basically. Yeah. So I'm curious, I would assume eventually maybe there's a technology that lets you undo the mind control where you could take somebody from like the alien side and make them one of your agents. That's that's possible. I really don't know. (laughs) Um, I'm not so deep into it all that I I know how it works, but it's entirely, you know, it's possible that like you can just steal other people's counselors later as the servants or what have you. It's a really interesting 
contrast, I guess, which is like what you do and don't have control over and the, the order in which you get access to stuff can really change how your campaign goes. Uh, there's this, I mean, that, that mon- monstrous tech tree, like this horrid spider web of techs. Oh, it's, it's an abomination. Yeah. It's, it's one of the worst pieces of UI that I have seen in a strategy game in a very long time. Yeah, it's it's truly <laughs> horrific. Like, I'm going to rate it. And in terms of strategy game UI war crimes, like, this is even above, like, Paradox Sliders from EU3 era. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's and gruesome. It takes, it takes, like, 10 minutes to load, even if you're, you have, like, a really, really good computer. There's... They're not caching things that probably should be cached. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's cert- yeah, there's uh, certainly optimization issues. I think for a yeah. lot of people to be to be talked about. Um, um, I like that. Uh, anyways, the, I think the cool thing about the servants' campaign is that their their stance has to shift over time, which is that once they they're able to sort of get in contact with the aliens, they have to make the decision to change their their tack right like they need to then from inside convince the aliens that humanity is worth cooperating with um and creepy uh weird new age lady eventually you know has to make a decision like she 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 makes the call that the aliens don't have a rich spiritual inner life and therefore that's what they need humanity for to teach them to have Mm. religion um all, all all those motherfuckers need Jesus. Yeah, she's That's... like, y'all need space Jesus, and like, <laughs> we're gonna be your conscience. Like, humanity will be your space conscience for you. Um, <laughs> and then the, the servant campaign becomes about convincing the aliens that that's a good plan. Which, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you're like, you're sending, you're sending like, uh, yeah, guys on space bikes to like knock on the door of the alien habitats. Yeah, no, I'm like, not joking. Do, you have, like, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior? Um, wow, that's pretty funny, actually. It's very funny, and so that's that's um, why I say like I'm sure that all of these campaigns have some wild twist. Yeah, yeah, that makes me really curious. The resistance one, I think, is, that... is pretty straightforward. As you go up their sort of chain of researches that mm-hmm. give you your main quest like the eventual decision there is we don't need to wipe out all of the aliens that there are we just need to take such decisive control of our own solar system that humanity can go back to doing its own thing which is kind of what like i'm curious about with the academy and the protectorate where you know do they like is their end goal going to end up being we just need to like convince them that it's not worth it. Like <laughs> to assume direct control. I, like I assume they're still going to have to fight. Yeah. But it's a good question. You know, um, yeah. Cause there is, I mean, that's, you'll notice as you play more that the only AI faction that actively doesn't destroy alien terraforming stuff is the servants. And I think that's an interesting thing. Cause like, Later on, the servants can start actively spreading the alien mind control goo everywhere um, and building, you know, indoctrination facilities for the locals uh, and then turning over control of nation, entire countries to the aliens. Well, here, the other thing that I don't know if you got far enough to because I haven't to actually like uncover a motive for the invasion. Yeah, I I got a little bit of that because, in the servant campaign. 
Um, because I have a theory about that. I'm interested and in I have a Hit me with a theory, and I, then I'll tell you what I, what I know. My, my theory is that we are actually dealing with their Project Exodus. I think the only reason that they would be here is if, like, something went wrong with their previous home. Because, you know, if, if we're going by hard sci-fi rules, which maybe we are, maybe we aren't, there is very little reason for one, like, intelligent species to go visit another intelligent species just with the energy requirements yeah. to resource return. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like they are... They came here out of desperation has sort of been my theory from the beginning. Um, that is, that is partially true. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right about that. It's like they, they don't, okay. they don't love the idea of being here, but it's sort of their imperative. Um, they were sent here in a project Exodus type decision to, to ensure the survival okay. of their species, but also inter- expand their growing interstellar empire. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they are, you know, like their decisions seem almost paranoid tiers of preparation for possible extinction level events happening to their species, which is to to sort of spread as far as possible. And there are other species involved, which only show up in like screenshots, not screenshots, like random blurry little event art and text and like descriptions of things and, and it's so weird to know, like, I know there are three, at least three separate alien species, and two of them are basically slave soldier species that serve them, right? That serve the Hydra. Well, there's like... There's the, there's like the salamanders who look like weird lizards with laser pistols, and then there's griffins who are weird winged things. But the... Well, like, there's, there's concept art of, like, these, like, walker mechs with, like, laser beam... Yeah, those are really scary. Heads if those ever show up, stu- you have lost the game, as far as I can tell. Okay. Well, so like, do those do those actually? Yeah, that happens. Are those like ar- armies that those actually are alien are invasion on? armies? Yeah, they can build those okay. on their ships, and they can land ships on Earth to deploy so what, those. So what? So what you're telling me is that my strategy of not funding the military because I figure if they get here, we're screwed anyway. Um, maybe, maybe I should have built more tanks or just more nukes. Okay. Well, yeah, that works too. <laughs> the only time Cause I, in my resistance campaign, yeah. they landed one of those armies and it was like, this is probably the weakest they'll ever be is like when the ship lands and it's disgorging troops. And I was like, all right, if this is the weakest they'll ever be, this is the nukedest they will ever be. Um, and I was just <laughs> like, it's really too bad about Kyrgyzstan. I guess we didn't need it. And then I glassed it. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It was, there was no um, choice. I had to do it. Yeah. So interesting. All right. Well, um, I didn't feel I'm, bad about I'm, it. I am excited to actually finish a campaign when I have the time to do so. Yeah. Uh, but it is uh, a, a game of remarkable depth and breadth. It's just broken in many ways. Like it we've is. been very Let's... enthusiastic about its its uh elaborate possibilities, but so we're yeah, we're like an hour and one minute here on my recording. Let's let's move out of spoiler territory and talk about some of the problems. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, we've already touched on some of them. Like the UI is just not very good. It looks like uh, you know, 
or an early access or like a budget strategy game UI kind of um, it it can there's performance issues with the AI where like certain menus take a lot longer to load than I feel like they should. Yeah, like um, if you want to load the every nation on Earth menu. It sort of chugs the whole game. Uh, if you want to bring up the full check tree, it does similarly. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned stuff like you don't get a notification if there's a nuclear war. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, you don't but get, I'm really you don't curious get for other things that are really important. There are so many mechanics at play that it's very difficult to track the state of what's going on moment to moment. You have to deal with yeah. uh, stuff like, you know, it can be a surprise that the population of India has mostly suddenly turned against you, even though you have firmly controlled it for the last decade. Right. Like, Things like that can happen in this game, and it's it, very frustrating to experience. Well, and uh, there's, you know, it's it has kind of this classic grand strategy problem where, like, it might tell you what your tools do, but not the appropriate ways to use them. Right. Like, there's a lot of counselor missions like Inspire or um, there's like an administrate mission that is actually really good. Like if you have like a high GDP nation, like you should probably have a counselor there doing the, right, yeah. Um, what kind of council should you, should you build? I feel like it's going to be the cause of a lot of scrubbed right. early runs for people where you're going to be like, exactly. Oh, like if, if you end up with those spies, yeah. right. I'm terrible at yeah. getting public support. Yeah. You, if you can't, if you can't win control nation roles, you, you're done. Like your campaign is right, over. Yeah. Like half of um, your starting council <laughs> should be really good at persuasion. And if you choose anything else, you are fucked. But then my, my first campaign, I was too good at that. And I didn't have anyone who could do um, like the, uh, the lockdown right. and the purge missions, the which means kicking out other people. So if they had already taken yeah. it, whoops. Yeah. So and then like people could steal control points for me and I couldn't get them back. Right. And I had to start over. Um, but yeah, your your review mentioned sort of like the, the where where these multiple. Entire video games meet <laughs> as being kind of like a friction point for you. Yeah, it, and, it's uh, infuriating, actually. Yeah. Like, talk a little bit about um, that. So there's there is a way for you to take st- base stations and stuff from other people uh, using your counselors. Like they can go up there and convince the crew to switch sides or what have you. And Mm -hmm. that for me in, in every game I played became an incredibly frustrating thing where you had to remember to constantly cycle a counselor into space to use that defend mission on your stations, you know, once every six months or else within three months, all your stations would just flip to the other side and they're incredibly difficult to get back. Uh, As opposed to the amount of personal resources you have to put into putting them in space in the first place. Like that it's, it's incredibly time intensive to get them up there. But then once they're up there, apparently we, I don't know, like let people on to give talks about the other side's point of view. (laughs) <laughs> or something like why are my space marines not kicking these assholes out of an airlock it's their constitutional right they're allowed to apparently talk and then if you're like well yeah. fuck you i want to blow up the station now that the um alien slave faction is taking control of it that's a war crime and you're a bad person 
Uh, yeah. And you, so you can then there, there are alternatives to taking control of stations where you can build Marine space Marine units and put them on your ships and take them over to take control of other groups stations by force. But then for me, that just turned into this like extremely silly game of whack-a-mole where like control of any given station would change hands like four times a year. Uh, and it gets even yeah, worse I, when when another faction decides like fuck it I'm gonna send a counselor all the way to Mars and he's just gonna walk around the planet convincing every single other faction's bases and stations to join ours um, because then you've got to send you've got to send one of your people all the way to Mars to take them back which means they're they're out of play for two years on Earth and that's crippling when you have five members of your council. And each can take two actions a month, right? You're giving up 20% of your ability to interact with the globe for two years. Well, and like it, it even on Earth, it just seems like the other factions don't have any trouble just like blowing right through your protected control points. They're just like they're stealing stuff from you all the time. And I'm like. I'm over my control point cap, just controlling France and Germany. Don't you guys have other like, isn't there enough room for all of us? Why you got to be over here stealing my shit? Yeah. Go, you know, go somewhere it can else. Be very frustrating. But, they get very aggressive. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a lot um, of like, quote, optimal strategies that aren't clear. Like, I remember the you were like, I'm I I'm at my control point cap. How do I get more stuff? And I'm like, well, you have to go to the least valuable nations you've taken and abandon them. Right. Right, which um, and the AI does is that, super right? unintuitive. It's a very yeah. unintuitive gameplay style, but the AI loves to do it. They do it all the time. You go flip a nation basically out of spite and then immediately abandon it. So you're forcing the other person to spend time retaking it if they actually want it, or you're leaving it in favor of you, but sort of uh, unproductive in terms of giving you resources for a while. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about just doing that just to deny it to other factions. And the the, the faction that loves to do that is the servants because their their ideal scenario for victory is when Earth's nations are squabbling amongst themselves or wasting all their resources. Interesting. Yeah, because there's like you know, I feel like there's a strong incentive to pick a home base and develop it because you know you can eventually you can like you know pump the gdp up and like create this like utopian like star trek society if you want to like you can create like a super rich like super politically liberated you know with like very low wealth inequality and a very advanced space program sort of thing but it takes a long time to get yeah, there it does take time um that's kind of what I was trying to do that in Germany in the Benelux, basically. Um, Which is, just, I mean, that's a strong strategy. That's a good way to play the game and will win you the game to a certain extent. But then uh, you start to get in a situation where you're ignoring the rest of the world. And there are a lot of technologies that come up over time to do stuff like confederate nations and build new alliances and things like that. Um, and I think that a lot of the game is about building these larger confederations, right? 
because that right. saves you control in the long run and actions. You need to consolidate nations because your biggest limit is how many actions you can take in a turn, right? And so if you can take, mm-hmm. you can either take one action that affects France, or you can take one action that affects your entire consolidated EU that spans Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, Benelux, right. Switzerland. There's like, like a ton Poland. of, there, there's a ton of formable, like what we would think of as formable nations in a game like EU4. Um, yes, absolutely. There's, there's like a, United North America. You can do the African Union and have the entire African there are continent. seven there's, separate formable things in Africa alone. Yeah, there's right. like a greater Malaysia. There's yep. the yeah. There, there's there's a lot. The cool thing though um, is that there's also the opposite of that. Uh, there's which text. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, maybe the servants. A, it would make sense for exactly the servants, for, but right, and also okay. for <laughs> for whittling off chunks of a bigger nation. Right, like it's really okay. hard to take any control in China, especially if another faction has established themselves there. So getting that, you know, the end of China tech and breaking up. The country into four pieces makes it really easy for you to then get a foothold in one of those chunks. Yeah, you can you can balkanize every major everything. nation yeah. in you the can game. Balkanize yeah, like everything. Yeah. Like America, <laughs> Which, that, three separate countries. Mexico, that fuck would, that. two countries, right? Like it's you can balkanize uh, all of the things. Brazil, no. Oh yeah, yeah. That would be a fun. That would be a fun campaign. We split up Germany. Play. Oh yeah, yeah. Put the put the wall back up. There's aliens over there. We don't have time for yeah. that shit. Uh, yeah. Um, and a lot of those, yeah, I think, are like kind of situational, strategic choices and things like that. And then there's there are a bunch of international project type things you can do. Right, once you get powerful enough, um, weird development things like yeah, let's build that bridge between Vladivostok and Alaska. Why not? Right. Yeah. Or like, um, and I don't like. I I've never actually bridge across the Arabian, no, across the sea between Egypt and Saudi Arabia. You can build a bridge from does, Yemen to Ethiopia, right? Like you can do that. Does stuff. that actually? Does that actually do anything besides letting you move armies? It lets you. Easier? It lets you move armies easier, and it, it almost all of them have a a very very large GDP boost to the regions of okay. Right? Well, that that makes sense. So, like, you can yeah. build the Wakhan oh. corridor from Urumqi to. Afghanistan and it just takes I think it increases the GDP of the related regions by like 20%. I mean so they're huge there are huge bonuses and reasons to do it. The other thing I didn't I didn't quite play long enough to see this sort of play out but at the beginning there's there's sort of like a spread of military tech I think the US is the highest yeah. and they're like in the information age and then it goes all the way down to industrial, and there might even be one or two countries that are below that. I think there probably are, but I don't know that for sure. Do you do you eventually get to a point where like your military tech level can catch up to the aliens? Yeah, you can for ground combat. Okay, you can because I've That's seen cool. that maximum be in my resistance campaign. I saw that maximum be as high as the tech level of an alien army. Okay, cool. So you can have your own laser mechs or whatever eventually yes, you can have <laughs> your own you laser mechs however you want to think about it rp wise i guess uh i'm pretty sure it's an army plasma cannon tanks okay like yeah that's cool yeah thanks i mean tank if we're going hard sci-fi 
Tanks are better than mechs. It's a lower target profile. Absolutely. So. Those, those mechs are pretty um, low target profile, though. I don't know if you've gotten a look at them. They're, they're squat. They got four legs. I've they are they are kind of low to the ground. They are kind of scrappy looking. And I think yeah. they their armies move um, pretty rapidly over rough terrain as well, which is very funny to me because I think they somebody the at Pavonis was like about- the mechs should go faster in mountains and the tanks should go slower. And then they implemented that because that's how this whole <laughs> game was made, as far as I can tell. They were just like, this would be fucking cool. Probably, probably. Well, the, you were, the other thing we were talking about, how like part of the Cold War scenario, they would need to add actual naval combat because right. now it's it's like freedom of the seas is one of the stats that you have. Yep. So just um, if there's a war, whichever side has the bigger navy can move things in the ocean and the other side cannot. So can the aliens build a navy? I have and- absolutely <laughs> no idea if the aliens okay. can build a navy. What I do know is that the aliens probably don't give a fuck about building a navy. Um, okay. Seeing as well, that's, they just... They have a space navy. Yeah, they so, just land shit. Yeah. And eventually they'll start orbital bombarding, which is nightmarish. Oh, well, that's, that's fine. Um, part of the um, Servant campaign yeah. is convincing the aliens that they should not be orbital bombarding Earth into submission. Oh, well, you know that that's that's nice of them to think about us um in that regard um yeah uh i know it's a big game 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 is big big. (laughs) was there anything else in terms of like um weird weird early access stuff or like stuff that doesn't quite work yeah i mean just the ai is good at some stuff and bad at other stuff yeah. clearly understands how to use a lot of the tools at its disposal, but I never saw it do stuff like, like I got really, I had in both games I played, I ended up specializing in counselor who was just really good at assassinating. And that's just what that guy mm-hmm. would do every month. He would fly to a new beautiful place in the world and just agent 47 hitman, a random nice. enemy counselor that we had spotted. Right. Like that's, that's what his whole job was. Um, and like in my resistance campaign, I got to the point where humanity first was never able able to keep a counselor for more than a month at a time. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> Which any given person they do gain experience. They do gain experience and level up. So I imagine that becomes pretty significant. Yeah, And, and then later on, too, like you start yeah. to cyber cyber them up and go full uh, cyberpunk and give them stupid nice. stats with weird abilities. Um, but like that. There, there are game. I never saw the AI get good at stuff like that. I never saw the AI assassinate me or aggressively try to detain my counselors or anything like that that I was doing to them. I, I did have them do stuff like steal tech from me and pull off those kinds of missions. So they know how to do it. Um, I've also never seen the AI really aggressively exploit low Earth orbit, other than um, somehow instantly and magically stealing every station that I put into orbit. Which is incredibly frustrating, and not fun. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they squirted some mind control goo on the windows. I guess, I guess so. Yeah, and someone was like, "Oh, I got to go outside and clean that off." Yeah. It was like, oh no! It, oh, got it looks in the like suit. grape jelly. Oh. I'm going to taste it. Um, <laughs> like I don't red, red, red. Literally just vented. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So. I don't, know. I don't get it. <laughs> but the, the fun, I guess, of uh of the game is there, but with, with some huge caveats, I think overall, it's just like, there are things about the game that are really unbalanced. They're just better than other, like 
there are a million trap options in this game, and I I don't see that changing, which is just there are technologies you can <laughs> yeah. research and use that are not good. They're not yeah, good. My, They're the wrong decision. You shouldn't do them. Right. My 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 favorite trap uh, is uh, playing as the academy. Yes. <laughs> so, they they label that campaign it's... as being hard. All right. That's the hardest campaign. Yeah. Um, if you think you're going to make friends with the aliens. You think you're not just make yeah. friends. You make great friends with yeah, the aliens in that be, servants be, campaign. Be equals. If you want them to yeah, think you're yeah, equals. Yeah, um, that is brutal. It is. I I will uh, I will. But like I will. There are trap yeah, options. I like I can build. Like just because you can build a space warship and try to fight some aliens doesn't mean you should. Type stuff. Yeah, well, that's so that's the other thing is I didn't realize that you could kind of like try to fly under the radar. So that's something I want to try now. Is like yeah for. How strong, how strong can I get without the aliens seeing me as a threat? I think that a lot of what um, they do, uh, at least the aliens, um, they're much more interested in taking Earth, and they don't really care to spend time, like, attempting to swat down your little tree houses you built. Like, to them, it's, like, cute that you sent a probe to Mars, <laughs> I think. But if you show that you're a threat in space, they're like, okay, well, we can't have any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, I'll borrow a phrase, uh, uh, or paraphrase, uh, our friend Rowan Kaiser by saying, yes, all of that is true, but it doesn't matter because it rules. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> like it does matter. It does matter, but for all the criticisms for like all of the things that like are just kind of straight up broken. I really like this game. I, uh, <laughs> like, I really think it's something special. And in the future, when they have more time to polish it up, it might end up being, you know, one of those strategy games that like goes down in the canon. Um, potentially, I think that it has that potential, but it's not showing that right now. It's not. Not yet. Not Not yet. Even on its way. Like it it just needs a lot. (laughs) Uh, There's just too much in this. That is an odd design choice. um, Whether it's trap options or things that uh, (sighs) unintuitive gameplay mechanisms, like whether you should control countries and then abandon them, that those sorts of things are not well fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, like, I think if you're easily frustrated by game mechanics that are opaque or hard to understand, there are a lot of game mechanics in this that are exactly that and will make you lose your mind. Yeah. Why did the GDP go down this month? I have no idea. Neither do you. And you never you'll never get to know. They are adding graphs, so that'll help. I, my, That's on. I the, said this in the a review, but my kingdom for um, a combat log. I would like to know why. Yeah. Anything in space combat happens the way it does. You could. You can go. I don't know if you've watched the review video that I did. Um, I did. IGN, yeah. But uh-huh. there's this. There's this scene yeah. where like I have built the the most badass imaginable fucking space titan, full on. Yeah. Macross space battleship Yamato giant badass plasma cannons on it unstoppable monstrosity with tons and tons of armor and it fires you know crippling shots at two of the ships in the enemy fleet and then a single laser hits it and it just completely explodes why how i 
You know, I don't know. Neither do I. That's... You never get to know, right? Like it's just I'll just never I'll just, I'll never know why that happened. Send the send the footage to the developers and demand that on behalf of three moves ahead, we need to know why this happened. Um, At this point, I'm I'm so yeah. over it. You know, like I was incredibly bitter because I think it literally took me five <laughs> in-game years to build that ship. Wow. Yeah, it is like I could I could chop off any system in this game and say this could be made better with some simplification. Right. Like any any given slice of of the the whole thing is like just a little bit too complicated. I think, um, it's yeah, it's it's it is it's it's wildly wildly ambitious, and in some ways that's great, and you in know, some honestly, ways it is to its detriment. Honestly, for me, yeah. the, the the cliche of like this is an ambitious game that's flawed. I'm not sure mm-hmm. that's even true here, because they've succeeded at all their ambitions it's all here right it's not Mm -hmm. like an ambitious vision for a game that will be done in six months or what have you right like every single one of these systems on its own functions it's all there whether or Mm -hmm. not the ai is really good at it or the player can understand how it works is is an aside to like they succeeded at their wildly ambitious vision the question for me now is can they polish it so that it looks and functions smoothly right right there's certainly going to add more features because clearly look if you expected anything else from a group of people who made a mod called the long war you were you were insane (laughs) but they uh they're definitely going to add more features but whether or not they can stop that scope creep and get what what's here now functioning really well, I think is the question about whether this game will be a classic in a year or the game we all look back at as lovably jank. It feels like, it feels like kind of like EU two or like hearts of iron three era paradox where hearts like of iron three is a great, is a great comparison in that it's where just, it's like, I am really, and I'm really, really excited to see, you know, Terra Invicta 2 someday. <laughs> like, whatever they do in the future, if they can dial it in the way Paradox did, where they took these weird, incomprehensible grand strategy games and eventually kind of refined them down into the Paradox that we know now, um, I would be very, very excited to see see that play out. Um, I think so. I, I think that it's... No matter what... <laughs> one has to say about it or how you feel about it. It's an impressive piece of game design work that it boots and runs uh, and is yeah. fun. But so for the, now, the, my recommendation comes with huge caveats. Right. The, so the million dollar question, I guess, is is who would you recommend Terra Invicted to in its current state? I'm not sure, um, frankly. I, I don't <laughs> know who likes this game. I, I think that's a big thing with it is like you could well love one part of this and hate the rest. Like you could love the space thing and hate the global thing. You could love the global thing and just roll your eyes at the Newtonian physics understanding and knowledge you need to engage with the space layer at all. So I think this is going to be one that people, uh, people pick on their own. Yeah. I would say that, you know, you need to have a certain tolerance for frustration you need to have a certain tolerance for jank. Yeah. And you need to have like 
and you need a big stretch of time for yeah, you, which you like, need that long play. How do you energy where you're like, I accept that. Yeah. This is a game like, that can am, take that. My understanding <laughs> is having spoken to the, ask the developers, how long does it take to beat a game of this? Uh, among the playtesting group, the consensus is 60 to 100 hours to beat a campaign of Terra Invicta. Um, yeah. They, yeah. they also like, conceded. Some people say you can beat like a servants campaign in 40 hours. And I think that's true from what I've played of a servants campaign. Yeah. It's, it's like, you're going to take time off work or, you know, you got sick <laughs> and you're coherent. You're coherent enough to still like look at tiny numbers on a computer monitor. Like that's, that's the time to play this game. Um, just like clear my schedule. I mean, and if you're the kind of person um, who buys like one or two big strategy games and then plays them for years, this is probably the kind of game yeah. you're interested in. I, I honestly really like it for, for all of the faults. So I will say my recommendation also has to come with a lot of caveats, but it is a strong recommendation for weirdos like me is. Yeah. I mean, it's, is sort of, this my, is a, yeah. it's definitely a strategy gamers strategy game in many ways. And right. uh, I'm excited to see how we feel about it when we do a, a launch show when that happens. They, for they sure. Properly beat yeah. it out into the wild. It is still early access. It's amazing how functional and feature complete it feels for being like a day one early access. Yeah, absolutely. Game. Um, but yeah, I think that is going to do it for uh, at least our first look at Terra Invicta. Um, three moves ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can head on over there if you still do forums at uh, idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Um, we are on Twitter where we are at 3MA. And as always, this show is supported by listeners like you on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash 3MA and get access to Discord, get access to bonus episodes, um, all kinds of cool stuff. We need more funding to fight off the aliens. Um, you know, that's it's very important that you support us in these trying times. Um uh, with the invasion looming as it is, of course. That or we have to um, start recruiting criminal cartels. Right, yeah. I did have the Yakuza. We're actually very <laughs> instrumental. I mean, the Los Cetas cartel are bastards, <laughs> but that's a yeah, lot of money every month. Yeah, cartels too, yeah. It is, you know, just, you know, drugs are, drugs are profitable. Um, uh, yeah, waiting for the end of the drug war DLC where you can undermine other factions revenue <laughs> sources by lobbying for decriminalization. You're saying that, but like um, I can already tell. Like I, that's got to be a tech, cause what, right? Like what this game really needs is more complexity. That's really what my bit my major note would be. Um uh, uh yeah. Uh so for John, this is Len saying good night. Good night.